When the ground beneath my feet is shaking like a leaf, God, you're still good to me. When my hope is all but gone and I'm barely hanging on, God, you're still good to me. When my heart can't find a beat, when it's dark and I can't see, I will put my hope in you. promises endure you make a way for me when my heart can find a beat when it's dark and i can't see i will put my hope in you ashes for beauty joy for my morning to god be the glory to god be the Well, 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 good morning, Southview. How are we? All right, glad to have you with us today. Hey, if you were with us last week, I promised you that if you hang tight, the weather will change. I'm a man of my word. All right, so here we are. Welcome to the great state of North Carolina. Glad that you are with us. Don't worry, it'll go back down to 20 soon. So as we gather here today, worshiping Jesus Christ together, before we jump in, I want to give you three big announcements, all right? Because we want you, every one of you, whether you've been here for years or this is your first time, we want everybody plugged in to the life and ministry of Southview. We want you to be a part of the family here. So I'm going to give you three things this week that you can do to help you get plugged into the life of Southview Baptist Church right here. Number one is this, our Ladies of Grace ministry. That's our ladies' ministry. They're having what's called a praise and prayer night that is going to be on February the 3rd, this coming Saturday at 7 o'clock. It's a chance just for ladies to come together, encourage one another, pray for one another. You're going to get a chance to meet some new ladies. Ladies, you can sign up for that by texting the word PRAISE to our number, 910-424-1298. Be sure to sign up for that. Second, baptism. We've got our first baptismal service of the year, February 11th. Sign up for that by texting the word baptism to our number, 910-424-1298. We already have a whole crew of people ready to go for that. It's going to be an awesome day. You're going to want to be a part. If you've already trusted by faith in Jesus, next step 
is public baptism. That's how you tell the world, Jesus has made me new. Do that. Text the word baptism to our number. We'll get you signed up, meet with you, help you walk through all of that. And third is this. If you have kids, elementary age kids, a great chance for them to get plugged in around here. We're going to have a snowball fight. That's going to be Saturday, February 10th at 5 o'clock. Here's how it's going to work. Because it's probably going to be 65 degrees again there also. We're asking you to give adult socks Bring those in, adult socks. You can bring those into the office. I think we have some bins set up around the church. You can drop some in there, some packs of adult socks. They're going to have a snowball fight, set up this whole obstacle course thing and have a snowball fight. Um, then after that, they're going to take those socks, wash them, and give them to our homeless ministry to give out on Friday evenings to the homeless here in our community. So it's a great service opportunity for kids and just a fun way for them to come in and hang out and meet some of our friends. So if you want to sign up for that for your kids, text the word SNOWBALL to 910-424-1298 to sign up for that. And for all our other announcements, everything else, download our app. iTunes, Google Play. You can um, sign up for a small group. You can see previous sermons. You can find the notes for today's message. You can give online through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. But download that app. That is the best and easiest way for you to be connected with all the ins and outs, everything that's going on here at Southview. And also, if you're a guest with us today, if you're a guest today, here's what I want you to do, all right? First, I'm not going to ask you if you're a guest to give money. This service is our gift to you. We're not asking you to give anything. Second, I'm not going to ask you to join anything, all right? You're here just to worship the Lord and to learn a little bit about us. Make sure we're not a cult. That's great. Glad you're here. But here's what I would like for you to do if you're a guest with us. I want you to do two things. Number one, text the word CONNECT to 910-424-1290 and just give us whatever little bit of information you're comfortable with, name, email, phone number, just so we can know who you are and just connect with you and see how we can minister to you and pray for you. That's all. And then secondly, at the end of the service today, my wife and I are going to be up front. I'd love for you to come up front, say hello, help us put a name with a face so we can know who you are. All right, so those are the only two things we're going to ask of you today. Text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298, and give us a little info. Second, come up afterwards, say hello, so we can just know who you are and uh, uh, get to know you just a little bit. All right? Now, for us as we worship together today, I want to read a scripture to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I've got good news. If you're here today and you've trusted by faith in Jesus Christ, it says you're a brand new creation. The old you is gone. That word pass away really means die. Right? You're, the old you is dead, thrown out. And a brand new you has been born in its place. God's, when you become a Christian, God does not try to fix you up, dust you off, make you better. He makes you new. So today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to come in today knowing that old life is dead and gone. That's not who you are. Don't live under that condemnation and that guilt and that shadow any longer. The old you has passed away. Behold, a brand new you has been created in its place. And second, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, 
my encouragement for you is this. Today, Jesus Christ desires to make you new. Not clean you up, not make you better, not fix you, not make you do the right things, but make you new. Today, do you desire Jesus Christ to make you new? Legitimately brand new. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me as we go into our worship time. And Lord God, I just pray today, Jesus, that today those of us who are in you, Jesus, God, we're going to be excited about the fact that we are new and we are in you and the old us is gone and you're doing amazing things in us. And for those here today who do not know you as Lord yet, I pray today that they will be turned in their hearts, God, to trust in you, Jesus, as their Savior and be made new for your glory. We love you, Jesus. Do this work in us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, let's stand together, everyone, as we worship Jesus.
stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the
working through this worship set, I just want to take just a quick second and, and focus our hearts on something. Again, you ever, sometimes we'll sing the song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Um, and uh, the, the thing about that song is the fact that we say the Spirit is welcome here doesn't mean that he shows up now, right? Like whether we acknowledge him to be welcome or not, he, uh, he's like, well, can't stop me. Um, but we all know what it's like to be in a room that we're welcome in and be in a room we're not welcome in, right? You're still physically in the room, but how you interact with people in that room is vastly different. So I want to take just a quick second just for us just to stop and in each of our hearts individually, just take just a second and welcome the Spirit and His work in our lives. Welcome Him. Ask Him to minister to you, convict you, encourage you, empower you. Take just a second. Don't just kind of go through the motions of worshiping, but just stop and ask the Spirit of God to personally minister to you today. Just bow your heads just for a quick moment. Spirit of God, we thank you. Spirit of God, we need you. There is not one ounce of Christianity that is possible apart from you, Holy Spirit. You convict us of sin. You point us to Jesus. You baptize us and fill us and make us new. You empower us. You gift us. You speak to us. You convict us. There isn't a single ounce of the Christian faith that's possible apart from you, Holy Spirit. So we just simply ask you today, Minister to us, your people, for your glory and the glory of Jesus Christ. We need you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Bible, let's find 2 Corinthians chapter 5 together, all right? We're going to pick it up in verse 17 here in just a moment as you're finding that. Um, one quick announcement for you. We are starting a new round of our Everyman and Warrior groups. Those are our men's Bible studies. Um, we are starting those up. We do have some spots left available. If you're interested in being a part of that, you can either... Uh, just come up after service and grab me, and I'll be happy to talk with you about it. Or you can text the word WARRIOR to our number, 910-424-1298. We try really hard to work through schedules. Um, we have groups that meet all different times and days and places throughout the week. So we try to really work with that. So if you think, well, I've got a weird work schedule, I don't know if I can, talk to us. We may be able to get you in a group. So uh, don't forget that. We've got some spots available. You're going to want to take advantage of that. All right, so we're in a series beginning the 2024 looking at the mission and vision of Southview, who God's called us to be individually as Christians and as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ corporately. And we've said that the mission of Southview is that Southview seeks to fulfill the Great Commission by discipling people to worship Christ as their greatest treasure, nurture a relationship with Christ and others, and be a witness for Christ in the world. Basically, it boils down to God's command on us is that we would teach people how to love and follow and serve Jesus. And the way that we're describing that, the language you're going to hear around here constantly, is worship nurture, witness. We just looked a couple of weeks ago at the idea of worship. That um, Matthew 22 says that the greatest commandment in the entire Bible is that you would love God with everything that you have. And so the way that we're explaining that is worshiping Him as your greatest treasure. You see how glorious and amazing and beautiful and awesome Jesus is, and so you wrap your entire life around just following Him. Second, we saw last week that a disciple of Jesus seeks to nurture that relationship with Christ and others and allow them to nurture a greater love for Jesus in them as well. 
We saw all of the one another passages in the Bible that over a hundred times we're commanded to one another, each other. We look specifically in Hebrews 10 where it says that we're to stir one another up to love and good deeds, encourage one another, even more as we see the day of Christ drawing near. This idea that we're to be in each other's lives, nurturing, helping, stirring, encouraging one another to love and serve Jesus more and more and more and more and more. That's a disciple. And then today we're going to see this idea that a disciple of Jesus is someone who seeks to be a witness for Christ in the world. So let's start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world To himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So there are two main truths that I want us to see today in this. All right. First is Christianity is not about you changing your life, but Jesus giving you a new life. This is the foundation for everything. This is the foundation of what it means to be a Christian. I mentioned earlier that that phrase, in Christ, is the primary way that the Bible talks about a Christian. And it says that those of us who are in Christ are new creations. Brand new, unused, unstained, unworn, fresh. Again, God does not polish you off, try to make you look better, knock off some edges, you know, do some, some remodeling work. He makes you brand new. In fact, it goes on to say there that the old is passed away. Again, that word passed away means to, to die, to be chunked out like trash. And a whole new you has been put in its place. Understanding this truth is what sets you free to actually live as a Christian. The most destructive mindset you can have as a Christian is the idea that Jesus is just trying to get you to live a better life, a different life. Stop doing this and start doing that. Just change this and change that. Are there things that he's commanding you to do? Yes. Are there things that he would command you to stop doing? Uh Uh-huh. Things that he wants you to change? You betcha. But the foundational truth that leads all of that is the idea that he's just not telling you to change things. He's literally taken the old you that led you down that road, killed it, threw it away, and put a brand new you in its place. So now you finally get to do the things that you want to do in the name of Jesus. He makes you brand new. This is why a foundational truth for all that we do around here is this understanding that Christianity is not about you changing your life. But it's about Jesus giving you a new life. And and that truth leads us to our second truth and our big main idea for today. And that is... Being a witness is based on who you are, not what you should do. So we're talking about being a witness, sharing the gospel, evangelism. If you grew up in church, you grew up with training and all those things that, that were, were good and bore some fruit, and that, that's fantastic. But, but in a lot of that, we can be very tempted into seeing evangelism, being a witness, as this thing you need to do. Right? This, 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 I need, to, I need to do this. 
What I want you to see as a foundation today is being a witness. Evangelism isn't so much starting with what you should be doing, but again, it's coming back to who you are in Christ. Christianity is not about you being better. It's about Jesus making you new and then you living out that newness. So pick it up in verse 18. You'll see what I'm talking about. All this is from God. What? What's the all of this? The fact that you're made new. Who? Through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, what I want you to see is three truths about us in this text, and then we'll kind of work our way through it, okay? One, we are given the ministry of reconciliation. Two, we are entrusted with the message of reconciliation. And three, we are made ambassadors for Christ. All right, so let's just kind of work our way back through those. So look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, right, made us Christians, made us new, And he did something. He didn't just make you a Christian so that you wouldn't go to hell one day. He made you a Christian. He made you new. And then he did a thing. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I have good news for you. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you have been called into ministry. Like, whoa, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a missionary, I don't don't do that kind of thing. I didn't say that. If you have trusted by faith in Jesus and you are breathing, you have been called into ministry. Um, Specifically, it says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So let's unpack those two what that means. So the word ministry is actually where we're eventually going to get our word deacon. A deacon is a servant. In Acts chapter 6, you see deacons were um, literally table waiters. They were sent to give elderly ladies their food, right? They literally, they were doing acts of service. In fact, that's a good translation, and some of your Bibles may even call that the Uh, service of reconciliation. That's what that word ministry means. And reconciliation, again, is this idea that we are haters of God, running away from God, despise God, sinners against God, but God sent his son in our place to die for our sins, to bring us back to him and reconcile us to himself. So he's saying here that you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what that means. You have the responsibility on you. I have the responsibility on me. It's talking about acts of service, the way you live, what you do. To live your life in such a way, to to treat people in such a way, to serve others in such a way where you're pointing them to Jesus Christ. To serve people in such a way where they see how you're serving them and they say, so you're different. Why is that? Why do you care so much? Why are you giving this to me? What's the point of this? Are you trying to get something out of it? Is there a string attached? 
right? So extravagant in our generosity, so unyielding in our love, so gracious in our compassion, acting as ministers of reconciliation, serving, loving, caring, blessing people in such a way where they're seeing it and they're realizing there is something different here. You know what it's like to come cross paths with someone who believes verse 18 is true of them and lives like it's true of them. And those dudes are just built different. Like they live in a way where they're just always loving and serving and gracious and kind. They respond to people in ways that are gracious and kind. What are they doing in that? They are living as ministers of reconciliation, serving those around them. How you live matters. How you treat people matters. How you serve them should point them to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which brings us to the next verse, verse 19. Look at this. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Again, this just keeps reiterating what the gospel is. And, again, he's saving us, and he's doing a thing, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. All right, so verse 18 is talking about what, how you live. Verse 19 is talking about what we say. As we serve others, we are given a very particular message to proclaim to them. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of reconciliation. That God reconciles us to himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it says here that we were entrusted with this message. That word entrusted means to place something very important and delicate in your hands and you bear the responsibility of protecting it. I remember when our oldest daughter was born and um, there in the delivery room, neighbor was born, they hand her to me. When I held my daughter, that was the first time in my life, I had ever held a baby. Anybody else? Is that just me? Anybody else? A couple of people? All right. First time I had ever held a baby, ever. They throw it to me like a half, like a halfback toss. Like, like oh, don't fumble. <laughs> this baby was placed into my hands, entrusted into my hands. One, obviously, to hold them and care for them and not drop her there. But then, bigger than that, metaphorically, entrusted into my hands to love her and raise her and point her to Jesus and disciple her up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. I was entrusted with something. And how I dealt with that gift that I was entrusted with, I will be held responsible for that. In the same way, verse 19 says, you and I have been entrusted in our hands with the message of reconciliation. Maybe you've heard the expression, um, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Um, that, tag, that, that line has been um, usually attributed to a man by the name of Count Zinzendorf. Um, and 
And I understand what he's trying to say. I understand what this is trying to mean. But here's going to be the problem. Okay. Um, verse 18. Yes. Talks about the importance of service. However, the Bible is clear. I need you to hear me. Faith comes by hearing the gospel, not seeing the gospel. And you simply living a certain way will never see anyone come to Christ. They are not going to come to Christ because they see you not drinking beer. Like that's not a thing that's going to happen. They're not going to come to Christ just because your kids don't watch that show. They're not going to come to Christ because of that. Faith comes by hearing. Some of us have been building relationships with people for like 30 years. At some point, words must come out of your mouth. Faith comes by them hearing, receiving, and believing the gospel, not just seeing you live differently. Now, I know when we get to this idea, everybody's cool with, hey, live a certain way. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But like, and you're going to have to at some point look at someone and say, so here's the thing. You're a sinner in your heart. You actually hate God. But that's okay. Jesus came to die for your sin. And you need to repent of that and turn to him and submit your life to him so that you can be saved. Like at some point, you got to say those words. Now, I know the fact that I'm saying that right now, some of you in this room are breaking out in hives just by the fact that I'm saying these words. You're freaking out right now. Like, wait, I got to tell people that? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Because at some point, people only come to faith in Christ when they hear, understand, and believe the good information that is the gospel. I love Romans 9 and 10. So one of these days, if God um, wills, um, I'll uh, preach through the book of Romans here. It'll take us just shy of a decade. It'll be awesome. So, but you got Romans. So Romans 9, Calvinists love Romans 9. Right? It's like, oh, it's the greatest, right? Who are you to tell the potter what he can or cannot do with his clay? Right? God's going to choose this one and not choose that one, and it's just duck, duck, damned, and get over it. All right? But directly after Romans 9, so it's amazing. My encouragement to most people, most of my answers to people's Bible questions are, you should just keep reading. So after Romans 9, you come in, right, this is where I went to Bible college. This is why I got a master's degree. You ready for this? After Romans 9, you have Romans 10, right? Spent, spent a lot of money to learn that. And in Romans 10, you know what it says? Yeah, and the only way those people are going to sovereignly be chosen by God is if you go tell them, and if you don't tell them, they never will. Like, wait, what? Wait, wait. But I thought it was a God thing. It totally is. And God has sovereignly determined not only what is going to happen, but the means in which it's going to happen. And if you don't go tell, they don't receive. Right? You, you have to go do it. God has sovereignly chosen this to be the means by which people get saved. You have been placed where you've been placed for a very specific 
reason. The book of Acts is going to say that God is the one who actually sets up the time and places of our inhabitants. God determines when and where you live. I know you bought that house because it was the right price in the right school district and you liked the neighborhood. The real reason you bought that house is because God sovereignly decreed those are the neighbors you're going to reach for me. I know you thought you picked your job because they gave you the best package. But the fact is, you're actually in that job because God sovereignly decreed that those are the people you're going to reach for Jesus Christ. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to school. And whatever that might look like, whatever that might be, whether you're a soldier on post, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, Whatever it is, you get up tomorrow and you're doing your job. The fact is, you have been called to a ministry. And that ministry has a very specific, particular message to be proclaimed. So then, after you bring all of that together, and I know that it can be terrifying to think through this. And for whatever it's worth, be of good courage. I freak out too. Right? When I'm trying to share the gospel with someone, I'm about to have that conversation, my palms are all sweaty, my mouth gets dry, starts sounding like the teacher from Peanuts. I'm sorry, what? I understand. But not only that, what I find really encouraging is um, there are great men of God that understand. Heroes of the faith. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 asked the Ephesian church to pray for him that he would have boldness to speak as he ought to speak. Why would the Apostle Paul need them to pray for boldness? Because he was tempted to not be bold. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he tells Timothy, look, God's not given you a spirit of fear. God has given you a spirit of power and love and self-control. Therefore, stop being ashamed of the gospel and go tell people. Why would he need to tell him that? Because Timothy was super tempted to shrink back and, 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 and not offend. And I understand. This is why we need to pray for boldness. And so you see these two things coming together. And you get that in verse 20. All right? So we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. And those two come together into verse 20. Therefore. I love that. Whenever you're reading your Bible, see the word therefore. That means because these things are true, therefore this is now happening. Right? So because you've been given these things, the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You are an ambassador for Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who seeks to be a representative for an entity or nation in a foreign land. The ambassador for Canada does not create policy or anything like that. They simply just serve as a representative of the administration that sent them. Same thing. Your job is not to create a message for Christ. It's just to be an ambassador. And God could have chosen any method he so desired to do this. If God wanted to, he could have... He could accomplish it in any way, right? He could have made a big giant bullhorn and shouted it from heaven. He could have written it in the clouds in the sky. He could have blinked it with the lights of Las Vegas and Morse code. 
But in his infinite wisdom and glory, God chose you and I to be the ones to present the most important message in the history of the universe. How crazy is that? I mean, that's nuts. I mean, it's one of the things if I was God, I'd be like, I think I'd come up with a plan B. But you know what? Here's the truth. You and I are God's plan A and there is no plan B. You and I proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are God's plan A and there isn't a plan B. We are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. As we do these other things, as we go to work and go to school and work in the neighborhood and, and, and take the kids to soccer practice and do all those things, in the midst of all of that, we're called to be ambassadors. Uh, think about it like this. Let's do a little uh, audience participation, shall we? Um, Chad and Chris, come up. Earl, I see you trying not to make eye contact. You come up. All right, I'm going to have the orange mic. All right, line up right here, guys. It'll be painless, I promise. All right, Earl right here. All right, so in our little illustration, you are all firemen, okay? It's what you do, you're firemen. Ever since you were a kid, you want to be a fireman, right? As a fireman, you put out fires, it's in the name, it's what you do, you're a fireman. Now, while you're a fireman, while you're not putting out fires, you're at the firehouse. Earl, you wash the truck. All right? It's your job. That's what you do. You wash the truck. Chad, when you're at the firehouse, you cook in the kitchen. All right? That's what you do. That's your job. At the firehouse, you cook in the kitchen. Chris, while you're at the firehouse, your job is to roll up the hoses. Make sense? All right. So, all right. Make sure we understand what are our jobs. What's your job? What's your job? What's your job? Question, is that really their job? No. Their job is to be a firefighter. Their job is to go fight fires. While they're not doing that, they do other things. But their ultimate job, the ultimate calling on their life, what they wake up in the morning driven to do is not wash that truck, is not cook another meal, and is not roll up a hose. It's to go fight fires. Give them a hand. Have a seat, guys. I told you it would be painless. And here's the point, guys. Same thing for us. Are you going to wake up tomorrow and go do things? Yes. You're going to go to work. You're going to go to school. You're going to get the kids to their appointments. You're going to do all the things. What I want you to walk away today understanding is this. As you do those things, your ultimate call is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Um, during the first service, I had a buddy of mine visiting here, uh, Rich Culp. And um, after the service, he sent me a text. Um, and it's so good, I'm, I'm going to steal it because that's what pastors do. Here's what he says. No one has to go to church. But just about everybody has to go to work. Then the greatest work of the church is to be the church where you work. People don't have to come here. 
and many, many, many hundreds of thousands that live right here in the Fayetteville greater area don't. But you know what? Just about everybody's going to go to work tomorrow. And you're going to interact with them. And when you go into that place, you need to go in understanding. Your calling in life is not to be an accountant. Your calling in life is not to be a soldier. Your calling in life is not to be a stay-at-home parent. Your calling in life is not to be a first responder or a business owner or a landscaper. The first calling on your life is to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And you get to use those other things as avenues to accomplish that. Um, St. Augustine said, Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. It's not that God can't save people apart from us. He's God. It's that in his infinite, perfect wisdom, he's chosen not to. He has chosen to use you and I as the vessel as the method, as the ambassador to point people to him. This is the plan of God, which is why we say a key foundation to being a disciple of Jesus Christ is to live as his witness in this world. So here's the question that we're going to be asking you. All year long, we're going to be asking you, Who's your one? We talk about evangelism and witnessing, and you can leave this place here this morning and immediately get very overwhelmed with all the people you're going to interact with that need to know Christ. All I'm asking for you to do, we'll make it simple. We're going to pull it down to the most basic granular level. Here's what I want for everyone here. Ask God to show you who's your one. Who's the one person this year you're going to be praying for to come to faith in Jesus Christ? I've got one. Pray for him every day. Reach out to him. Try to build a relationship with him. Talk about the gospel. Hey, look, here's what it means to be a Christian. Answer his questions the best I can. I've got one. Praying that he would become a Christian this year. Who's your one? I want every single one of us to have a person at least. It could be more than that, but at least I want you to ask God, who's my one person that I'm praying for, I'm seeking to serve and love, and then as the opportunities come up, I'm seeking to speak the message of the gospel. Look, here's who Jesus is, here's what he's done for me, and here's what I'm praying that he does for you. Who's your one? As we think about this idea of of who's going to be our one. I really want to help us understand the importance here. I want us to be a people who understand the severity, the seriousness, and the urgency of what we're talking about. There is a heaven and there is a hell. 
And the only thing that determines where you spend eternity is what you do with Jesus. And I, again, I don't, I don't want us to be driven by fear or guilt or anything like that. But we do need to be driven by truth. And sometimes truth is scary. And sometimes understanding the truth makes us feel guilty. The truth is this. Hell is real. And there are people you and I love that will spend an eternity there if they do not hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has sovereignly put you in their life so that by God's grace, they will believe. I was talking with my oldest daughter this week. She called me and she's in her personal time with the Lord working through the book of Genesis and going real slow through Genesis and just really trying to grab all, squeeze as much of it as she can out of it. And um, she called me. She said, okay, so, so I'm, I'm working through the, the flood narrative. And she said, so after the flood, so I'm reading through all this, and after the flood, it says that Noah and Noah's wife and Noah's sons and their wives, you know, they got, they got in the boat and then they got, they got off the boat. She said, so where's the families of the wives? Like Noah's daughters-in-law. Like where, where are their parents? I guess floating somewhere. I don't know. They didn't get on the ark. She's like, well, that doesn't make, like, like why wouldn't the daughters want their parents and the family that they love to be on the ark? Absolutely. But here's the thing. The Bible's going to say that Noah for 120 years was a preacher of righteousness. He wasn't just building an ark. He was preaching as he built. Say ye, the judgment of God is coming. The judgment of God is coming. Repent of your sin. Turn to him. God's judgment is coming. And the fact is, no one believed him. She said, but, but then once it started raining, I mean, like, then they'd realize it and get on. I said, well, no, here's the problem. Genesis chapter 7 says, God closed the door of that ark. And the truth is, once God closes up someone's opportunity for salvation, that door does not open again. And she said, oh. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed for every person to die once and after that comes judgment. That judgment is hell. Eternal torment separated from God that is a reality that meets every person who does not turn to faith in Jesus Christ. This needs to be a truth that we understand and drives us in our love and prayer and sharing with those around us. Who's your one? Who's your one that you're going to be praying for? That they would come to faith in Jesus, be saved. As we end our time here today, we're going to sing a song called Overcome. And here's why we're singing this song. It's on purpose. It's by design. When we think about people that we want to see coming to faith in Christ, more than likely there's people in this room, you have someone in your mind that you want to come to faith in Christ, but you're also met with all kinds of despair because you're thinking, you don't know this person, right? They are never going to get saved. The reason that we're ending today with this song 
because we want to spend our time today focusing on the glory and power and worth and majesty of Jesus. If you wrap your brain, or if you start focusing on that person and the life that they live and the things that they've told you about what they think of Christianity and the fact that they've said they're never going to believe and the fact that they think you're an idiot for believing, if your focus and attention is on that, yes, you're going to be filled with despair. However, if our focus is on Jesus, His power, His glory, His might, His worth, what He has done to save sinners like me and you, now we're filled with hope because our hope is not in that person changing their mind. Our hope is in Jesus Christ sovereignly knocking them onto the crown and making them new. Grabbing a hold of their hearts and saying, nah, you're not going that way anymore. You're going to go this way. That's what we're hoping for. So we end today setting our minds on the glory and worth and power and honor and majesty of Jesus Christ. And also, let's get this truth in our minds as well. I mean, you do realize it was a miracle that God saved you, right? I mean, you, you do understand. You weren't the easy one, all right? And if God saved people like us, absolutely he's going to save them. He's got no problem. He can absolutely do that. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me as we end our time. And Jesus, just today, I know, God, when we think about people we love that do not know you, it can be scary, especially when we understand the truth of hell and what that means. It can be scary. It can fill us with fear and doubt and regret, worry overflowing. So God, I pray that our focus and attention will be on you. How great and glorious and amazing you are and that we will set that one person in front of you and say, Jesus, we trust you with this person. You grab a hold of their heart. You show them their sin. You show them their need for you. We trust you with this person. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. And let's stand. Let's worship together.
he never sinned I suffered as if he did
awesome and powerful ever. Awesome and great is your name. You overcame. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, do me a favor. Have a seat if you will. Oh, before we are done today, just have some things we want to share with you. Um, Ryan and Emily, there we are, guys, come on up. Uh, so this is Ryan Culpitz. Ryan is our student pastor here, and, um, and his wife, Emily, come on up, guys. So this past summer, um, I was reading the book of Acts, and I came across Hebrew, uh, uh, Acts chapter 13. And it says, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Uh, so as I read that um, six or so months ago, uh, I had two thoughts to come to my mind. Uh, thought number one, I thought, um, boy, I bet the people at Antioch were super ticked off um, because they were like, Paul, I love Paul. Don't send Paul Barnabas. He's such an encourager. No, not him. But God called them out for another task. Uh, the second thing that I thought when I read that passage was, I need to talk to Ryan. So, um, I sat down with Ryan like we do all the time, and we're just talking through life and ministry and how's your walk with the Lord and how's everything going. And, and, and I don't remember how well the conversation was, but I just kind of stopped and looked at him and just said, can I just ask you a question? He said, yeah. He said, um, you ever feel like God might be calling you to leave here and go pastor a church? And he said, I do pastor. I'm right here. I said, you know what I mean. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and we talked for a little while, and he said, you know, yeah, I mean, I'd think about it, but, you know, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I said, okay, well, let's do this. Let's just take some time and pray and just see what the Lord may say with it. And so that set us off on uh, a path for the last really six months of just praying and fasting and asking the Lord what he may have for Ryan. And, and as we've walked through all of that, um, it really is a distinct honor and privilege that I want to share with you today that um, through a long series of events and prayer and a lot of conversation, uh, Ryan's accepted the position of lead pastor at Swift Creek Baptist Church in Colonial Heights, Virginia, which is right outside of Richmond. Um, and, uh, and so he'll be setting off to that task. And I, and I want to encourage you and let you know, uh, this is a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, so as we're going through our mission and vision, um, we're going to get into core values, like what's a core value for us as a church? Um, what's a building block that say, look, everything else might change, but this is, is a non-negotiable for us. And one of the core values I'm going to lay out for us is what I'm calling kingdom expansion. The idea is we believe God's call on our life is not to hoard up talent for the kingdom, but to send out talent for the kingdom. We believe Acts 13 should be a model for us, that we're to be in constant prayer of God. Who do you want to send out for greater works? Um, this is about not losing, but really about multiplying. 
We want to see God do great work for his kingdom all over the place. And so in order to do that, that means we have to do sad things like look at talented people and say, hey, man, I think, I think God wants to use you to multiply what we're doing and go do it somewhere else. And so, so with that, that is definitely what we believe the Lord is leading Ryan and Emily to do. So I want to give you a second. I want to give you a mic. You can share whatever you, whatever you got on your mind. Thank you, Brad. Uh, good morning, church. Um, Y'all, y'all heard what Pastor Brad just shared, and um, just to fully be fully transparent with you guys, it was something I initially pushed back on when he approached it with me, and um, something I was a little um, resistant towards pursuing, and some of that goes back to my background, just being around a lot of different student pastors and guys in ministry who just kind of saw student ministry as a, as a pedestal, or that, that, that stepping stone, you know, and it's that thing you do before you go up and you become a big boy pastor, you know? And um, so I, I personally just had a little bit of sour taste in my mouth towards people who held that position. And, um, but as I think about it, so maybe that was part of what held me back. But as I really think about it, it's, um, we didn't want to leave. Um, we just have been very blessed to be here and uh, have... Many people we count as friends, and our family's been loved on. We've had two children while we've been here, and Delaney will be one this weekend. You know, just uh, just crazy, crazy year how the year's gone. And um, you know, we we have family in Christ. We have actual family here, and um, you know, stepping away from that is it's exciting to know where God's calling us to and what He's leading us to next. But it's not. It's not without a lot of sadness as well. And there's, it's certainly the definition of bittersweet. And uh, so it is a good thing, and we are excited. But uh, I just want you guys to know we, we love you here at Southview. We love Pastor Brad. We love Marie. And uh, he's been such an encouragement to me, just investing and, and pouring into my life. And, um, and this, this season, and while we've been here at Southview, has been such a season of healing and blessing for our family. Uh, we're just so grateful for it. Um, just ask you to please pray for us as God takes us to that, that next part of the journey. Um, pray for us as I'm moving into a new, res, uh, new position, new responsibilities, and, and learning and growing a ton, I'm sure. And, and as we're in this time of transition, you know, trying to sell a house, we've never, never done that before. And, um, you know, trying to purchase a house, but we can't purchase the house until we sell it. And, you know, trying to work out all those things. So please, y'all pray for us and our family. Um, and uh, military people, if you get sent to Fort Lee, stop by Swift Creek. We're, we're 10 minutes away. But uh, I just, y'all know, we're, we're, we're going to be around, I'm sure. We have family here. And, um, and so we're going to be coming back. And uh, we're, we're not dead. But, uh, I, you know, I just, and I shared this earlier. I want to make sure I share it again. Really, uh, you know, the, throughout all the different hesitancies and trying to see where God wanted me to go and what he was calling us to, um, Pastor Brad said something which I really believe is in line with his message he just spoke and with his vision for the church. Um, but he said, you know, um, we're doing it here at Southview, right? Southview's doing it. We're, we're pursuing the Great Commission. We're making disciples. We are being ambassadors or ministers of reconciliation. Um, and he's like, we love having you here helping us do that. But wouldn't it be better if we had two churches doing that. And um, 
And so that's really ultimately what God kind of helped use to point and direct me. And he's like, I believe you could be someone that God uses to help lead another church there. And so I was just like, okay, that's what we want. We love being here, but we, we love and desire to see God's mission fulfilled more. And so, um, yeah, we love you guys. Thank you. Well, come over here, guys. Um, we want to pray for you guys. Um, so, and because of some of unique things happening there in uh, his new church, Swift Creek, some things he needs to kind of get on site and, and, and um, jump in uh, quickly on. Um, it's a little bit of a quicker transition than we typically would be used to. Next Sunday is going to be his last Sunday with us. And then he's going to jump right in there uh, at Swift Creek. But it's a good thing. I'm excited for him and his family. Um, and the good thing is, well, also in that we know we're going to see him a bunch because the kids aren't allowed to go. And so they're going to stay right here. So they got to come visit their kids. And so that'll be great. So we'll see him all the time. Um, but I want to pray for them. I'm going to ask Marie if you'd come up and just... Um, uh, pray for, for Emily as well. And, um, and just list you as a congregation, if you could pray for them uh, as they're stepping out in this role. So Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for Ryan and Emily. We thank you, God, for just your, just your graciousness in allowing them to come and be a part of the ministry here at Southview, allowing them to be our friends and allowing us to see great fruits happen um, through them. We pray, God, now as they step into this next role, uh, I pray, God, that you are just going to go before them. I pray, God, for all the practical things. I pray, God, that you'll sell a house really quick and you'll help them find a house to buy really quick. Um, I pray, God, that you will open up friends for them, uh, that they will um, be able to slip right into good relationships that will be edifying and life-giving. Uh, I pray, God, for Southview, uh, Southview, God, as we move forward, Lord, that you'll just give us clarity as the steps ahead. And I pray, God, for Swift Creek, God, that you would empower them to hear and receive uh, the seeds of the gospel that's going to be planted in them, and we're going to see a lot of fruit come as a result. Thank you. For Ryan and for Emily, we love them. We pray your hand of blessing on them. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, listen, as we leave, please come by, hug their necks, let them know how much you love them. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Take it.